0: All right. Alright, what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunk. My name is Scott coming at you live from Nashville, Tennessee and uh, kind of a choppy start there. I, I hit the, the the go live button and I didn't even say to my guest I was waiting like, alright, I'll be right back with you in just a sec. So he's patiently waiting in the background. I'm just like, I just hit go live and I'm like, oh shit, we're live. And I just cleared every, cleared the deck and we're like, okay, so here we are. I guess that's what happens when you take a week off from podcasting and you just kind of go hang out in the jungle and on the beach or whatever. And now I'm like severely jet lagged and kind of just like, what the heck just happened? Teleported to a different dimension for a couple weeks, hanging out with the Unjected crew. And then now back in, back in Music City. So crazy stuff, crazy stuff. But uh, thank you guys for joining me once again. I just want to take a quick moment to uh, just shout out some ways you could follow and support the show. Uh, One quick thing um, while we're here, I want to show you guys the new Unjected store. So Shop Unjected is live Um, we got all of the injected gear and full effects. You can go represent, um, when you, when you land on the page, there'll be a sign up. If you enter your email, you'll get a a code for 30% off anything in the store. And then obviously the big push right now is the book that Shelby and Stephanie Perucci from Perucci publishing's put together. I helped a little bit with the book. Um, I'd wrote a few paragraphs here and there and helped with some editing, but, uh, this is the, the, basically a compilation of all the information we have been able to gather about the Maui fires. And it was very harrowing this last week being able to go out to Maui and take a look at the, uh, you know, what was once Lahaina and uh, look at all of the areas that were decimated by this insane event. And then just talking to a lot of locals and learning about their stories and their testimonies about what occurred. Um, And so that's all been put together for you guys in this book called Burn Back Better, Lahaina, A Perfect Storm, Perfect Crime. Um, there's a few different ways you can get it. Now, the book officially comes out uh, on Monday, I believe, the 30th. Um, you can get a paperback ebook, uh, or you can get a signed hard copy from Heather, or excuse me, from Shelby and Stephanie. Um, that's just like a little fundraiser type of deal there. And then the audio book will be coming soon. So you can pre-purchase that to help fund that project, but that's kind of in the works, but the all of the... The paperback, hardback ebook will be out on Monday. So um, just go to shopunjected.com. Sign up for the little uh, pop-up and get 30% off. You can get all the other Unjected swag. We got women's, men's stuff, all kinds of cool stuff. So, um, And then the website's rebunked.news. Just uh, head there if you want links to the show, all the links to the affiliate codes, all the ways to, you know, any uh, value for value contributions. And then all the social media is up there, pretty much at rebunked news everywhere. Um, I've got my own little t-shirt shop going. If you guys want to help support the show that way, all kinds of cool designs. Um, we got the Beavis Are You Threatening Me shirt, a, f- a fan favorite. We got the new uh Trump mugshot shirt. Hopefully, James will get a kick out of this one. Trump wanted for vaccine genocide, right? There you go. And everyone's minds are blown when they see that one. They don't really know what to do with it. And uh yeah, so rebunk.news forward slash shirts. That's kind of the main home for all that. And uh yeah, that's pretty much what we got. I'm happy, very excited to be back. Back in business here, hanging out with y'all, doing the doing the show. Thank you guys for your patience for me taking a week off. I was like, mm, maybe I'll do like a best of episode, but I'm like, no, I'm just going to take the week off. So thank you guys for your patience with that. And without further ado, I would love to bring in my guest today. Um, been on the show before. Um, he's a, a writer, journalist, activist, very outspoken about some of the things happening around the world globally in terms of global health. And uh, just very grateful to have him back on. So James Roguski, welcome back to the show. Thank you.
1: Oh, uh, you know, thanks for having me. And, you know, thanks for having me to talk about the topic that we're going to be covering today because nobody's talking about this. And, yeah. uh, now is as good a time as any, I've been, uh, trying to raise awareness of what we're going to be talking about for the last 17 months now. Wow. And, uh, so thank you for that.
0: Absolutely. And, and we, we talked about it before, but just give folks a little, uh, background again, people that may be new, what the heck is going on. I know there's been some grumblings. I'm sure people have seen memes about this whole world health organization, uh, policy that's, or, or amendment to a current policy that's going on, but give us a little background about what the heck we're talking about and what we're looking at here.
1: Man, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's hard to give you a little background. Sure. Okay. So yeah. let me, let me see if I can um, start off this way. Um, there are at least three separate things that are going on at the same time. And everybody gets them all confused. And so most people who know anything about this, um, have heard about or they talked about something called the pandemic treaty, and so I'm just going to kick that to the curb and say, you know, that's off in the future. The deadline on that is something that needs to be, you know, it needs to be discussed, but it's not the first thing on my list at the moment.
0: Interesting, yeah, that's definitely the big, the big one that you hear in the truther circles, and you'll hear on like all the big shows. They're talking about this it's, pandemic
1: treaty, it's, right? It's yeah. not a treaty. It's a convention that makes all the difference in the world. If you want to have me back, we'll talk about that. It's not what people think it is. right? So we'll leave that out there as a teaser. My apologies to everybody. The second thing that that people may know a little bit about are amendments to the international health regulations. Now, there's at least two separate batches. There's really more. There's at least two separate batches that people need to distinguish between, you know, what was done in 2022 and what they're hoping and planning to do in 2024. And so there's an enormous pile of amendments that are being actually being renegotiated, rewritten, recrafted, whatever you want to call it, 197 pages of amendments to an 80 page document were submitted more than a year ago. They've been negotiating in secret. They're rewriting it. They're supposed to have a a meeting on December 7 and 8 to talk about all of that. I'm going to put that one up on the shelf too because anybody who's talking about that at the moment doesn't know what they're talking about because you can't know what you're talking about. They're rewriting it. And they're going to maybe let us see the rewrite December 7 and 8. Okay, so as important as all of that is, I'm putting that up on the shelf too, because there's a third batch of things that has many components to it. That I'm, you know, excited that you're willing to want to talk about. You seem to have been done your done your homework, and you know what the heck is going on here. And so for that set of information, um, I'll try to wrap it up and give you the encapsulated version, which is contrary to what most people think. On May 27th, 2022, the World Health Assembly was meeting in Geneva, and they did adopt a small collection of of amendments to the international health regulations. And the way it works is not the way people think it should work, and it's not the way it should work. It should all be thrown out the window. But there's an 18-month period where the um, head of states Of every nation that is a member of the WHO, and there are two that are not members, but they're party to the international health regulations, they have 18 months to just write a letter to the WHO and reject the amendments that were adopted on May 27, 2022. Well, December 1st is about a month away, and it's going to come and go, and people are going to go, you know, what happened? And then it's too late. And so, if you could think of having purchased something, you buy a computer or some clothing or hammer at a hardware store or whatever, and they say, hey, you got a 30 day you know, return policy. Well, the WHO and the World Health Assembly have an 18 month rejection policy for any amendments to the international health regulations that are adopted. Well, the world has been asleep for 17 months i've been trying to wake people up and you know thanks for the opportunity to uh, yeah your audience about this
0: of course yeah that's insane and so one of the key so when you say they this is like their governing body right this is the people that are like you know the 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 movers and shakers within the world health organization are these the ones kind of driving this policy
1: agenda going forward well see this is where everybody really also gets confused okay mm-hmm. the world health Assembly. Assembly. They actually abbreviate it WHS. Okay, so this whole,
0: so this is not even we're not even talking about the World Health Organization. So my my caption and my title is not even. No, it's no,
1: it's totally good. Um, Okay. The World Health Assembly. Wow. You know, think of think of the Senate, right? You know, every every state has two senators. Well, every nation gets one delegate, and so Uh there's 194 member nations, and every May they get together and they have an assembly they get together. Right. And they are, according to the rules of, you know, the WHO, they are the governing body of the WHO.
0: They are collectively,
1: the group determines the policy for the bureaucracy that is the WHO. Gotcha. That makes, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. World Health Assembly is like, basically the, the, the movers and shakers of the WHO. So, okay. That makes sense.
1: So okay. they're supposed to set the policy that the WHO, whether it's the Director General or, I mean, the bureaucracy they generally refer to as the Secretariat—fancy word mm. for secretary, okay? Yeah. And and so they're supposed to implement the policy that's determined by the World Health Assembly. Okay. Now, what happened in um, May of 2022? need to go back a little bit and give it just a run-up so that you understand what, what really happened. In 2020, you know, obviously, whatever it was that people call COVID, whatever the heck that was, at the end of 2020, the general idea was, well, you know, there's nothing you can do. There's no early treatment. You know, don't take this, don't take that. Um, wait for the jabs. And so the jabs were rolled out. And the idea was that frontline workers, hospital workers, nurses, doctors, you know, emergency room, that sort of thing that, oh, you know, they're at risk. So they should get this wonderful life-saving injection first. And elderly people or people who had comorbidities or whoever might be determined as being the most vulnerable, turns out they were actually more vulnerable to the shots than anything Mm -hmm. else. But they were all supposed to get first in line. Well, around the world. And so really though, what happened was the wealthier nations bought up ten times what they needed, and the relatively poor nations around the world had a hard time getting Pfizer and Moderna's attention to sign contracts. They didn't have the money, they didn't have the influence, they didn't have the big numbers, whatever it might have been, it didn't roll out the way it was talked about and, and promised and hoped. Now, in retrospect, they're lucky. They're very be lucky.
0: I was going to say be like, counting their budget.
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah, but but they are still stuck in a mindset from 2020. Well, halfway through um, 2021, they said, "Well, wait a minute. This isn't. We're, we're not being treated fairly. We're not getting our share of what supposedly is going to save the world." And they called for a special session of the World Health Assembly. They normally only meet once a year. They met in May. They met again at the end of November, beginning of December. And they essentially said, we want the WHO to guide negotiations, to have a convention, agreement, or other international instrument to ensure equitable distribution of pandemic response products. They wanted equity, Mm. right? Which basically means money, right? Mm -hmm. And so the distribution of goods that they felt were being withheld from them in my view is really not a, a discussion of health it really belongs in the world trade organization this is a trade dispute about essentially equity which if you're into you know stocks and and, and such stocks are called equities you have equities in a company If you have a mortgage and a home and the value of your home increases, you have equity in your home, they want access to products that they felt they were being denied. Well, that was at the very end, December 1st um, of 2021. Fast forward a month and a half, the Biden administration jumps to the head of the line and rather than wait for these negotiations to even begin, They cobbled together, I think, 47 different countries and submitted amendments to the International Health Regulations on January 18th, 2022. Now, nothing in their proposal mentioned equity at all. They mentioned a whole lot of things. And one thing that's very important, but the nations who had just had a special session of the World Health Assembly looked at the United States and said, what do you think you're doing? That's not what we said we wanted. We don't want more control, more power to be given to the WHO. And as the months went by before the assembly, it was very clear that there was not going to be consensus on the Biden proposal. Well, one of the things that Biden wanted to propose, I think is really important to comprehend, you know, get out your calendar because you got to think ahead into the future a little bit. Um, He proposed a change to Article 59 of the International Health Regulations that would have shortened the time period of uh, how nations could reject future amendments from 18 down to six months. Mm. And it also proposed to change the time period that future amendments would go into effect from 24 down to six months. Okay. All right. Very, very wonderful. Um, Article 61 is the uh, right that every nation has to reject any amendments in the future. And Article 59 is the time period. Well, um, what it doesn't say here, and they buried in another article, is that the time period to reject is 18 months, but um, it wouldn't actually come into effect until six months after that, or a total of 24 months from the time that they adopted. He wanted to slam all of that down into a six month period to reject it. And then at that same six months, it would go into legally binding effect. Now, why this matters is that if you just look at the calendar and you realize that the proposal is that all of these amendments are gonna be considered at the end of May in 2024. If you go six months ahead from May of 2024, That's December of 2024, December 1st. That's still within the Biden's term of office. So he wanted to shorten the time period so that if he's not president in 2025, too late, you missed your chance. It's already been implemented. Wow. And so they proposed those amendments and they were kicked to the curb. And in an attempt to save face, they brought back. Article 59, and added four new articles, um, 55, 61, 62, and 63, and they made some changes in there, and they submitted that in the middle of the assembly on May 24th. Well, one of the rules is that any proposed amendments have to be submitted four months in advance. So in, in my view, they broke the rules, and it was illegitimate to submit new amendments in the middle of the assembly, they broke the, you're supposed to have four months to consider it. Hmm. So they slammed through these changes. They they literally shut down the cameras. They went into a back room. They had whatever negotiations they had. There was no proper consultation with Senate, you know, uh, Foreign Affairs Committee or the Secretary. Bunch of unelected, unaccountable, unknown delegates got together and, you know, changed the international health regulations and adopted it on may 27 2022 now those amendments have an 18-month period because that was the original you know thing as it stands right now and the time period for every nation on the planet to reject those amendments um is coming up real quick on december 1st i've been talking about it for well over a year now but nobody seems to want to recognize. And it is because of something that happened. I don't know how old you are, but it probably happened before you were born. Um, Where were you? Okay, so um, I'm sure you've heard a story that uh, in July of 1969, three astronauts got into an Apollo um, Saturn V rocket,
0: went to the moon and
1: back in, You've, you've heard that story, right? You hear hear that, hear story. that story?
0: Yes. Emphasis on the word
1: story. Okay. Yes. Well, at the same time, the 22nd um, World Health Assembly was being held in Boston, Massachusetts. Now, I was nine years old. I was watching TV, fuzzy pictures. You know, maybe it was the Hollywood soundstage. Maybe it was in somebody's basement. Maybe it was a moon. I have no way of knowing. But nobody was paying attention to a bunch of bureaucrats in Boston writing international health regulations no okay. now what's in those regulations is important but what is not in those regulations is even more important and what is not in there is any statement that says okay great you know we, we have all of these delegates here and they've agreed to these regulations take them back to your nation and however you properly would ratify an international agreement, go back to your country and do so and then come back and if you want to sign on, you sign on. That's not anywhere to be found in that document. The way they operate is they say, okay, great, we've agreed to it, we're done. If nobody complains in a certain period of time, if nobody rejects it, we're all good to go. And they also did not put in there that if any amendments are made in the future, oh, you have to go back to your nation and take those amendments and treat it as a whole new agreement and go through the proper ratification process. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. And, and so amendments were made in uh, the 80s and 90s, You know, small things, and a large pile of amendments were made in 2005. And for all of these documents, I, I cannot find, and there's no reason why I should be able to find, anything even remotely resembling a representative democratic process where hey they made an agreement and we get to say whether or not we approve of that agreement that is that is what should happen okay if you read the constitution and mm-hmm. you know how uh, any treaty is supposed to be uh, adopted and ratified uh, that that has never happened now This is not necessarily unheard of. I don't know the exact numbers, but there's a relatively small number of international agreements that have gone through that constitutionally uh, defined process. And in American lingo, um, after the Senate has given its advice and consent and the president has um, ratified it and they submit it to whatever, depositary that holds the paperwork and you know here's the thing then you call something a treaty right mm-hmm. well there are tens of thousands of agreements that have just been signed off on by the president or maybe a secretary of one of the departments those have a couple of different um, terms that are used not a treaty and in particular with the international health regulations, it's called a sole executive agreement. Well, you know, things like maybe the Paris Accords where Obama signed it and then Trump unsigned it and then Biden brings us back in, Mm -hmm. that's bad enough, okay? For the life of me, and if anybody wants to um, help find it, that'd be great. I just spoke to someone uh, in Canada today who's trying to find to see if it exists in Canada nobody ever signed off on the international health regulations. They just they had a group of people say, hey, we, we made these regulations. And if nobody says no, if no one rejects them, then we're, we're just going to assume that you're going to follow them. And it's legally mm-hmm. binding. And, and so how you get yourself into a legally binding contract without, you know, by by failing to reject it
0: that's a, that's a very common thing that I've seen, like throughout, especially with throughout the COVID thing, it's the idea of implied consent, implied consent, exactly. where it's like, you have schools, like school districts who will say, hey, we're gonna be vaccinating all the kids on this day. And they put out a, notif- or they've just, even they'll just put like a flyer, like on, on the wall, the bulletin board at the school, they said, hey, we let everybody know. And if you let your kid go to school that day, you're we are implying consent that you are consenting to us, injecting those kids. By your failure to intervene on the situation, if even you know we don't make an overt uh, attempt to make sure everybody has the information we just kind of just trickle it out there but regardless that's our culpability that's us covering our base so that when you do send your kid to school that day and he does get injected hey you consented to it but the idea of implied consent is such a slippery slope and it's such a filthy little trick that i've i've seen them try to implement and normalize and i think that that's something that we should definitely be challenging in every instance that it pops up because it's not direct consent it's not uh uh in any way, shape, or form, uh, a legitimate form of consent, and if they're using that as their their get out of jail free card to implement just insane policy, you know, it's like as as we're getting closer to this December first deadline, like who knows what other kinds of nonsense they're going to pull to? I don't think they're planning any moon trips right now, but I'm sure they got something up <laughs> their sleeve to kind of keep divert our attention away from this. So yeah, but yeah, implied so, consent it's
1: scary. Step number one, in my view, is the entire document the entire concept of the international health regulations is illegitimate because i cannot find any place where any u.s government official signed off on it originally okay now if you fast forward to 2005 in the actual documents that are the current version of the international health regulations there is um, language in there in the appendix, Appendix 2 on page 1661, where the mission to Geneva. So, you know, the ambassador to Geneva, I, I would mm-hmm. imagine, but the mission to Geneva um, submitted six, more than six months after the deadline, what's called a reservation. So the language that's actually in that document says, yeah, 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 we agree to this, but there's no name associated with it. It's just the mission to Geneva and and still haven't been able to find the actual document that would have made that legitimate. He said, yes, we, we accept these changes to the international health regulations, but you know, we're a a federal government and we're going to have to ask the states because the federal government has no authority over healthcare. Now, Don't take my word for it. Go um, pull up a a copy of U.S. Constitution and do a word search for the word health. Mm. Pretty sure you're not going to find it. Mm -hmm. Uh, About three months or so ago, it's pushing four months, maybe. um, Javier Becerra, who is the uh, secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services, was doing an interview thing in Aspen, Colorado, and they asked him the very first question they said, what would you like Americans to know about the Department of Health and Human Services? And he didn't miss, you know, he didn't skip a beat. He he said very clearly, oh, everybody needs to know that the federal government does not have authority over health care. That's a state issue. That's the state and to the people. Federal government has no authority. So how could the federal government have authority to give to the WHO? Yeah. They, they, yes. know, wow. they know, they know. That they don't have it. He he went on to say, yeah, but we have a lot of money. And so when we you know set up and throw money at Medicare and Medicaid and Obamacare and whatever else, um, it has an influence and they have power, but influence and power are not the same as lawful authority. And so all you have to do is look in the Constitution and go, where in here does it give you any authority? Well, you know, I've called the WHO the World Hypnosis Organization. Mm. Because they don't have authority. They know they don't have authority. But they speak and they act as if. And then the media picks it up. And it's like that game of telephone. You tell somebody who tells somebody who tells somebody. You know, I've, I've witnessed firsthand. You tell somebody something. And then they go, you know, write an article about it. And you're like, that's not what I told you. Where you know, where did you get that information? Okay. And, and so... What's going on here is in many ways a ruse. If, if people believe that someone else has authority over them, when they give you some recommendation and you think you're obligated, it really has to come back inside yourself where you -hmm. you look at it and you go, now just hold on a moment. When did I agree to let you be in charge of me? Mm -hmm. Never. And, and so whether it's bodily autonomy, you know, getting an injection, travel restrictions, lockdowns, you got to wear a mask, you got to do this. There's there's an issue afoot here where it's easy to get lost in all of the many details of all of these hundreds of amendments when you got to ask yourself, number one, um, yes, if you accept that the um, who's constitution gives the who the authority to write regulations and you look at article 21 of their constitution there's five categories that they could and maybe should be writing regulations about but they're not and let me try to run through those five Um, number one they have if you, again, accept their constitution and their ability to write regulations, they have the authority, according to Article 21, to write regulations and set standards for advertising and labeling. Well, what about all those blank inserts in Mm. the jabs, Mm. which are supposed Mm. to give all of the information that anybody would ever need to be able to determine whether or not they thought that they wanted To take the jabs. Well, if it's blank, that's a label. You know, the insert is considered to be part of the label of any given product. And so if you bought a package of food and on the ingredients list it said purposefully left blank, you'd be like, well, what the heck is in that food? Mm -hmm. Right. They should be writing regulations to prevent that, but they're not. One of the other categories that they have the right to, uh, or the authority to write regulations and standards are for purity of biological and pharmaceutical products. Well, if you've heard you know, any of the stories over the last two years of all of the ungodly things that have been identified in the jabs by people mm-hmm. who've had a chance to look at them under a microscope or analyze them chemically, you realize that they are anything but pure. They're anything you know completely and totally contaminated with a world of things yep
0: they should be covering is i've been covering that too like the plasma dna the uh, sv40 like all these things are like causing a lot of this uh, havoc and chaos you know yeah definitely among other things of course but yeah
1: right and and so they should be writing regulations and standards and requirements that products be tested by independent laboratories to make sure that those kinds of things don't sneak into the product or put into the products, you know, maliciously. They also have the authority to write regulations for diagnostic testing specifications. Well, anybody who listened to Carrie Mollis say that the PCR is not to be used as a diagnostic test, and you still see people falling for that story that, oh, go get tested to see whether or not you have COVID. It, it's just a fraud. It's a blatant fraud. There should be regulations against that they have the authority to write regulations to determine the cause of death well look at the statistics for did you die from and did somebody die from or with covid Mm -hmm. there are no regulations Mm
0: -hmm.
1: the who also has the right to define terminology well there is no legal definition for the word pandemic or vaccine And I got to tell you right off the top, if you ever hear anybody say the phrase safe and effective, they are lying. It doesn't matter what they say, because safety and effectiveness is not really what they're supposed to be telling you. What they're supposed to be saying is here are all of the, the list of all of the potential benefits from this, that or the other treatment. Here is a list of all of the potential adverse events. Mm -hmm. You as an individual get to determine whether you think that the risks or the benefits sway you in one direction and you get to make that choice. Nothing in life is safe. And when they say it's effective, what you don't realize is it's been shown very clearly that the jabs are effective in a negative way. Mm -hmm. They make it more likely that people are diagnosed with COVID the more jabs you get and exponentially worse side effects, the older people get. Now they're not giving you that information. It's clearly not safe. There is no definition of the term safe. And I'll give you this example, right? You ever heard of the crazy game called Russian roulette? Yeah. Where You have a revolver with, you know, six chambers. You put a bullet in one of the six and you spin it and people shoot it at at their own head. Well, one out of six, if you put one bullet out of six chambers, that's 84 percent safe. But that one bullet is very effective. And, And so for anyone to be saying anything is safe and effective, you're listening to propaganda and hopefully you're not falling for it. It's supposed to be risk versus benefit determined on an individual basis with full disclosure of all of the known information that might be it. Now, if it's one out of a thousand, if it's one out of a million, if it's one out of a billion, if you're that one person, okay, maybe it's not the same odds as Russian roulette, but if you're the one person who it's not safe for, that's deadly for, What does it matter to you? Are you willing to take that risk? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, You know, I'm not willing to, I have no desire, and I'm not willing to go rock climbing without, you know, lines and and a net or whatever. Okay. Um, While some people may be able to do that safely, they balance the thrill and the excitement and the challenge that they get versus the risk of falling and dying. Okay. Now, you know, is your grandmother going to make the same determination? Is a little tiny infant baby going to make the same determination? Is a skilled rock climber going to make a different determination? And so, safe and effective is an absurd phrase that should be wiped off the planet. Mm -hmm. Um, It's supposed to be risk versus benefit, and you determine, you know, what you feel. Now, they're not writing any of those regulations. They're actually writing regulations to try to transfer wealth from, you know, one group of nations to another group of nations. And so going back to the um, issue at hand, um, I think you had looked into and I had put out a uh, open letter to all of the uh, heads of state around um, the, the world. And I hope that every nation and the people in every nation realize that in 1969, when they adopted the international health regulations, we did not lose our sovereignty at that time. And I know you've mentioned maybe you wanted to play that video. I haven't seen it for yeah. a month. So let, let's see what I was saying a month ago. let to good. edit my own self here.
0: Exactly. And there's links to this in the episode description, you guys. So, we're, you know, one of the points of this whole episode is for us to share this information. So please take this and share it. Take the link. Take Go subscribe to James's Substack, jamesrogusky.substack.com. Links are in the episode description. But let's, in the meantime, watch this video.
1: Hi, my name is James Ruguski, and this notice is directed to the individual leaders, the presidents, prime ministers, kings, queens, and yes, the pope, of each and every one of the 194 nations that are members of the World Health Organization, as well as Liechtenstein and the Holy See, which are observer nations that have also chosen to be legally bound by the international health regulations. Please be aware that December 1st, 2023, is the deadline for each and every one of you to reject the amendments to the international health regulations that were adopted by the 75th World Health Assembly on May 27, 2022. Under Article 61 of the current international health regulations, each of you has the authority to send a simple notification to the World Health Organization informing them of your decision to reject the amendments for your nation. The amendments in question were submitted on May 24th 2022 by the following nations australia bosnia and herzegovina colombia the european union and its member states japan monaco the republic of korea the united kingdom and the united states of america the amendments were adopted just three days later on may 27 2022 without any opportunity for public discussion debate or comment. Quite frankly, I wonder if the delegates from your nation have properly informed you of the ramification of their actions. I also wonder if you've been made aware of the existence of these amendments and the authority that you have to reject them. I wish to remind you that under Article 61 of the current International Health Regulations, you have the authority to reject the amendments that were adopted on May 27, 2022, but the deadline for you to take that official action is December 1st, 2023. I pray to God that you will receive this information and that you will possess the wisdom and exhibit the courage required to stand up to the WHO in order to protect the rights and freedoms of the people of your nation. I urge you to invoke your authority under Article 61 of the International Health Regulations and send an official letter to the World Health Organization informing them of your decision to reject the amendments that were adopted on May 27, 2022. And I urge you to take this action before the deadline on December 1st 2023. I encourage everyone else in the world, especially those who speak languages other than English, to record this exact same message in your own voice and in your own language and post your video wherever you possibly can. I also encourage everyone to share this video far and wide. I believe that we, the people of the world, can and must unite in order to protect our unalienable rights and freedoms. My name is James Roguski, and I can be reached directly at 310-619-3055 and complete details regarding this issue can be found at StopTheAmendments.com.
0: Bam fantastic very well done thank you and i love the idea of like you taking this like asking to take people have people take this information and translate it in their own language and put out the same message and put it out worldwide and you know you know in reading your your substack post when you at the time that you wrote it it said you know no world leaders nobody has taken the initiative on on stepping up and and rejecting this or doing any work to resist it have in the meantime have you noticed anybody that's taken that uh taking the lead on that well there's
1: There's encouraging. uh, There was an encouraging event um, right about the same time that I did that video um, in uh, the United Nations, totally, totally separate but interrelated. Um, They had scheduled a week of meetings, um, the 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st and 22nd They had four different topics and they were trying to ram through four uh, political declarations and they went through this same process where they had been negotiating these declarations for a year. And then at the beginning of September, they had what they call their silence period, which is essentially, they say, okay, you guys get to look at it. And if nobody objects, then we're all good with it. Well, at the very last day on Sunday, the 17th, 11 nations wrote them a letter and said, Nope, we're not cool with it. And so Um, I don't know if I can remember all 11 nations, but um, Bolivia, uh, Belarus, Cuba, Nicaragua, Venezuela, um, Zimbabwe, Eritrea, North Korea, uh, Russia, and I'm sure I'm mixing up a few, missing a few nations. uh, They pretty much said no. And so I know that their diplomatic corps knows the rules Mm. and they know. That at the end of November, when all of us are in the middle of a Thanksgiving food and football Mm -hmm. coma, right, and everybody's Mm -hmm. asleep, and God knows what else will be in the news, right, I um, am holding out hope that a number of heads of state will sign on to a letter to the WHO saying, you know, those amendments that the Biden administration tried to shove through to shorten the time period that we're going to get to consider these next batch of amendments. Um, no, we're not going for that. Thank you very much. We'll just keep the rules the way they are. And and so when I wake up on December 2nd and, you know, look through whatever kind of news feed I might be able to find some information, I, I hope to find that there's a big rift in the WHO because what would then happen is the nations who just wrote that letter, the you know the heads of state wrote that, well, they would have more time to consider whatever these other things might be. There's no legitimate reason to try to compress the time and limit the discussion about what they're trying to shove through other than if you wanna shove it through. Sure. And, and no nobody's gonna be saved. Nobody's gonna get healthier. No you know, improvement in life expectancy or any of that sort of stuff is gonna happen because of these amendments. But the most important aspect of all of this is to get people to recognize that you and I have nothing to say about it. Mm -hmm. In 1969, when they just let the International Health Regulation slide into acceptance, they cut out the representative democratic process. They essentially created, uh, you know, the World Health Assembly has all of the delegates who are appointed by world leaders. The, I should say heads of state. Okay. And so I, I know this is a visual that most people can relate to. If you can imagine an enormous coronavirus, that's two-dimensional and there's a circle. And then right around the outer circle, there's 196 delegates. That's how many nations are party to the IHR. And then draw a little line out behind each delegate to the head of state, put a little another circle out there, like, like a coronavirus, you know, visual and the head of state chooses the delegate. What what they created in 1969 is a global leadership council to control the international health regulations. There's no parliaments, there's no Congress, there's no Senate, there's no people, there's no referendum, there's no vote, there's no public opinion, no public comment. They get to decide and each individual leader has the right to reject it you know, for a period of time going forward. But at that point in time, they cut out any connection to the people or our representatives. And so anybody who is saying, oh, don't worry, the Senate you know, would never pass such amendments. Well, you're right, because they're never going to get the opportunity. Mm-hmm. They never had the opportunity in 1969. They never had the opportunity in 2005. What makes you think they're going to be given the opportunity in 2024? Yeah. The whole thing is flawed. The whole thing needs to come down. And I just encourage everybody to spread the word. And, you know, the way we met probably uh, in every interview that I do, I give my phone number. And I encourage people to call me if they have any questions. So, you know, you can reach me at 310-619-3055. 310-619-3055 and, um, James is where all of this is. And, you know, I just thank you, Scott, for the opportunity to, um, share this with your audience because you're not going to see this on the nightly news. You're not going to see this in, you know, the New York times or the Washington post, or quite frankly, I've been trying to get alternative media to talk about Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, it's, it's not hard to understand. Um, a bunch of unelected, unknown, you know, unaccountable bureaucrats get to decide to change international law and we're obligated to obey whatever they say. It doesn't matter what they say. No. No. The answer is no. No. You don't get to do that. We have to have a say. What do you think you're doing? That's not how this world is supposed to work. It's not the world I want to live in. And I trust it's not the world that you want to live in this
0: no not at all and and you know that's the big question that i always ask is like where do these people even derive their authority from what gives them the right to to, yes you're right unelected um completely just out there doing their own thing and then how somehow that trickles down and has an effect on us it's almost like you know let them have their little play little playhouse they go play doctor over there they can go play with their little it's like the little um like the the kitchen like they give the little kids where they like it looks like the little play kitchen Where they just get mm-hmm. to cook and clean But you wouldn't actually let them Like cook like a steak or soup You wouldn't let them Give them actual access To the knives and the utensils But you can give them Their little play kitchen And they can go You know make their play, Just pretend like they're doing it mm-hmm. Which is fine with me Let them go pretend to play government Over in their little World Health Organization Little thing But then We just have this giant wall That once they try to implement that to us Boom It just hits it And it doesn't get through So that's fine Let them just spin their wheels And r- use all their resources Playing government over there But then it doesn't have any effect on us that that would be cool but the fact that it does actually allegedly have power over us but you know it ain't gonna have any power over me not gonna happen i'm not gonna comply not gonna go along i'm just gonna have a great time doing my own thing while the world health organization is trying to do whatever it is they're trying to do so but James, thank you so much for for your efforts in this. I mean, it. I know how frustrating it is to be like the like sometimes the only person talking about an issue. But uh, let's let's folks, anybody that's out there listening, let's get this information out there. Please share uh, the, the links to this episode. Please go to jamesruguski.substack.com. I know James has been a heavily censored uh, uh, journalist over these last several years, and so our, any support that we can give him over on his Substack is just this is how we do it. We have to support it independent and, and, journalism across the board right so
1: and let me let me add just this one thing it, it's really obvious but you know people forget about it um a lot of times people say well what can i do Yeah. Right? well imagine if you were working as a staff member at a congressional office or a senate or any other government official and you get a phone call and somebody's complaining about something okay great you log it down so be it what if you get 50 phone calls yeah right what if you get 50000 right so numbers matter, right? Uh, you know, I have a, a, a faucet outside my house that used to drip a little bit, and would, you know, put a bucket under there, it would catch the water. You know, each little drip seems insignificant, but you come back a couple of days later and the bucket is filled with water. Yep. So, you know, don't think that your little something doesn't matter. And the easiest thing for anybody to do is to realize that if it's just you who's trying to do that, well, it's you against the machine. It's you against you know the world. But if you spread the word and raise everyone else's awareness and more people are aware of what it is they're trying to do, then it's just not you. It's you and a whole band of allies. Mm-hmm. So my encouragement to everybody is to take the link to this video, share it with everybody you know. And I don't mean just you know go on your Facebook account and post it and then get all shadow banned and say you shared it. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is whoever you have a phone number for that you can send a text message to, whoever you have an email address for that you can send an email to, whoever you are friends with or you know you can DM uh, direct message anybody on any kind of social media platform, whoever you might be able to reach, send them this video and ask them to watch it and give you, their opinion there you go okay now if by the next day you don't hear from them you send them another email and you go hey i sent you something i really want to get your opinion on it i know life is crazy and it's busy and there's a lot of things tugging at you but when you get a chance please look at it and let me know what your opinion is and when they come back with an opinion and they go oh that raguski guy he's crazy he's worried about something i don't care then you put that person on the naughty list And you go, okay, they have a different opinion than I do. So be it. It's free country. They can have whatever opinion they want. But there will be some people who come back and go, oh, man, I'm not having this. This is not something I'm going to stand for. You put that person on a different list and you realize that now you have an ally. Now, some of those people may or may not actually want to do anything. But if you collect 5, 10, 15, 20, however many people, And you go, hey, look, on Tuesday, we're all going to call that member of Congress. And the staff is just getting phone call after phone call. That concentrated, focused energy. Um, Just go read, um, you know, Burn Back Better. You'll see what concentrated, focused energy can do. Yep. Right. What we need to do as a people is identify who our allies are and focus our energy on their weak spots and we're all dispersed we're all over the place trying to do a million things all at the same time don't try to convince anybody just put it out there ask them for their opinions and work with the willing and so i give everybody my phone number 310-619-3055 and the people who call me are people who i want to get to know better Mm -hmm because they care and they're willing to do something, they're paying attention, they get it, right? Maybe they got a question, maybe they're you know, a little fuzzy on a little detail here or there, but they're, they looked at this information and they're like, oh, we got to get organized, we got to do something. So if you're looking for something to do, just take the link to this video and don't just post it and walk away from it. Post it with everybody and you know, learn from what everyone's opinion is. You know, you can learn if you listen, but identify people who share the same values as you and build those relationships. You know, every time, every time you spend some effort with somebody, um, as opposed to always trying to convince somebody, you can get so much more done if you're trying to work on something with people who want to do the same thing as opposed to beating your head against a brick wall, trying to convince somebody who's never going to open up their mind to the things that you're trying to tell.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. So it's, and that's such a beautiful thing about what we get to do is we get to draw in and attract all those people with our work. And and so these connections that we've made over these last couple of years and like, you know, connections like you are very invaluable to me. And I'm just very grateful. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, James. Thank you. Just keep up the great work, and uh, please keep me posted if there's anything anything new that comes up, any new developments. You want to come back on? And we'll open invitation anytime. So, thank you. Awesome. All right, guys. So next time I'll uh, catch you next week. Got another fantastic episode, and uh, yeah, just uh, keep questioning all the things out there, and just uh, stay true to yourself. And I'll catch you soon. Peace.